Want entertainment designed just for you? Then check out customizable streaming TV from Xfinity. It makes your life simple, easy, awesome. Xfinity gives you customizable streaming TV options. Enjoy the most free shows anywhere on any device and even access your streaming apps right on your TV with X1. Go to Xfinity.com, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store today to learn more. Restrictions apply. Hey, psychos, guess who's back? That's right, it's me. Um, I don't know why I'm playing a guessing game. You clicked on this link, so you know I'm back. And uh, I apologize for the very long delay in episode releases. There's just too many reasons to get into. Mainly my being lazy. Um, but I'm sorry it's taken so long. Uh, I, I know I say this every time, but I'm going to try and keep doing these more <laughs> more regularly i swear to god I, i'm gonna make that happen um uh, but i'm back that's the important thing and i i'm here with a really good friend of mine tom papa i mean i'm not here now i recorded this earlier today um and please excuse I, i'm kind of being really quiet right now because it's very late at night um, I'm doing all this so last minute. It's very late. Um, I have to catch a plane tomorrow morning to San Francisco where I will be performing at the uh, San Francisco Sketch Fest. Um, so by the time you're hearing this, hopefully it'll be out today, um, uh, February 6th, which is when I will be in San Francisco. I will be doing a show at the Verdi Theater. Um, at 7.30 p.m. It's my show that I do with Brendan Small. It's called Baked. We do it here in L.A. once a month, and we're bringing it up there. Uh, with It's music and comedy. It's a great show. Uh, I hope if any of you are listening to this in the Bay Area, Bay Area you can come check it out. Uh, our guests uh, tonight will be Todd Berry, Greg Barrent, and Natasha Legero. And uh, we're bringing our usual band members up with us. Uh, Pete Griffin, an amazing bass player. He played with Zappa Plays Zappa and uh, many other people. Joe Travers, who also played drums for Zappa Plays Zappa. Uh, great musician in his own right. And uh, Mike Keneally, who uh, played actually with Zappa. And uh, these guys are really sick. So it's a fun show. Uh, I hope you can come out. And then after that, I will be at uh, at Cobb's Comedy Club with Tom Papa, who is our guest today, doing his show, Come to Papa, and I believe that's at 10.30 p.m. And then Saturday, I believe at 1 or 1.30 in the afternoon, I'm doing Super Ego Live uh, with Matt Gorley, Jeremy Carter, and Mark McConville, and Paul F. Tompkins, and... Um, who else is the other guest? Oh, John Hodgman. I'm really excited to see John. And then I, I'm doing so many shows. I, I forget. Uh, please check the schedule, sfsketchfest.com, and uh, you can find me. This is the last weekend of the festival, so it's going to be great. Um, 
and then I'll be back uh, in LA next week and I'll be doing Tom Papa show uh, Tuesday at Largo uh, the 10th and um, that's going to be great as well uh, <laughs> so as you can probably tell I'm just doing a podcast to promote my, <laughs> my upcoming shows uh, but Brendan, Brendan Small and I will also be doing Baked Again on the, I believe, the 17th of February at the Baked Potato in Studio City. You should check that out. Um, so that's it. Uh, you may know Tom from his uh, stand-up specials uh, or um, The Informant with Matt Damon uh, or Behind the Candelabra, also with Matt Damon. Um, I'm sensing a pattern Uh Matt has also done several of Tom's shows at Largo and, uh, he's a really funny dude. Um, so that's it. I'm going to try and keep this intro as short as I can. Sorry. It's taken me so long to do an episode. Um, I'm going to try and do these more often. I know I say that a lot, but I swear I'm going to try. Uh, so please enjoy this and, um, enjoy Tom Papa. Thank you. I have to get in touch with these people. I'm so behind. I need an assistant. <laughs> <laughs> need an have assistant. you ever had an assistant? Never. Have you ever been successful enough to have an ass- or warrant an assistant? <sighs> I need one for sure. I just... Here's the problem. I'm running a business. Yeah. I'm running a business. Well, you, but I don't you think are a business. It, right, but I don't think of it as a business. I think of myself as a human being. So for me to... I have to kind of like separate and realize I should be paying people to do certain things. <laughs> I would love an assistance, but I, I feel like it would be more like having a slave because I'm sure it would be. Yeah. My dishes are, can you do my dishes? Right. Because there's a lot of times when you don't have anything really for them to do. There's times when it's crazy and you need help. And then there's other times they're just going to show up and you're going to be like, um, I'm out of, Mouthwash. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've had friends who've had assistants and just being around them, like where they're like, Oh, my assistant's coming. I don't have anything for them to do. What can I <laughs> literally asking me what they can have their assistant do? And I'm like, please don't put that on me because yeah. they'll be getting us coffee. Well, you feel like, like you operate your life, like in your own head, in your own way. Right. So yeah. like, you have your own way of like, finding stuff on your computer of your own way of like yeah. calling your friends or yeah. emailing people for shows or whatever. And then to like tell somebody how to do it. It's like that part. It's like, how do I let them into my brain <laughs> and then get them doing all the stuff I've been doing for 20 years? 20. Have you been doing stand up for 20 years? 20 years. How old were you when you started? We're just, uh, I'm just trying to figure out 14. how old you are. <laughs> you were not 14. No, I wasn't. But you were probably a teenager. I started in 93. No, I started after college. Oh, you're like me then. Yeah. I started after it all. What made you decide? Was it something you'd always wanted to do, but you were kind of like, I don't know how I can do this. No, I always wanted to do it. And when I was in college, I started, I went, I, I played football my whole life. Like as a kid, what position fullback? Really? Yeah. I was pretty fast. I was a defensive, uh, tackle. I played defensive end. Yeah. So I was next to you. So you were like the big guy next to me. Yeah. And uh I liked defensive end, but I wasn't as good as that. I was better running with the ball. I was terrified playing football. I never you really? I never wanted to, but the coaches at the schools I went to would make me play because <laughs> right. I was giant. Yeah. I remember when I first went to, because I, I got sent to military school. I got sent to the school where they filmed Taps. 
Oh, wow. And when I showed up, the coaches saw me and they were like, oh, my God, this is awesome. The basketball coach loved me, the football coach. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, I've never played football. And the coach was like, it doesn't matter. You're huge. This is going to be so great. And I was just terrified. I didn't want to break my neck or anything. I was such a pussy basketball player. <laughs> were you, were you like timid, like working out, like in practice and stuff like that? Were you kind of like reserved? Like, you yeah, I would always kind of stand like- in the back when he was asking for people, you know, to do <laughs> shit. I would always stand in the back. And we did this one, we did this one drill. It was called pursuit angles, uh-huh. where they have everyone on the defense line up in their position. Right. And then they have, one person on the offensive side, but all the way down on the sideline. Right. With a football. And the coach blows the whistle. And as soon as he blows the whistle, everyone on the defense fall, has to fall on the ground and then get up and chase the guy with the football. <laughs> right. It was a huge and, lead. And they would always give me the football because I was so afraid of getting tackled. No one could ever catch me. <laughs> <I know. laughs> and the coaches were always like, we should maybe have him be like, yeah, he should run. <laughs> yeah. Be a running back or something because he's he fucking giant running fast. Back. I was fucking terrified. That's they never hilarious. caught me. <laughs> they could never you, catch so me. So you were pretty fast. I was really fast. You seem nimble. I was. I was. When I was in high school, I was six foot seven and about two hundred pounds. Wow. I was really thin. You're six seven. I, I'm like six six now. I'm, I've I've started getting to that point, you know, where you start shrinking. You peaked. Your, your your spine starts compressing when you get old, which yeah. is such a bummer. Yeah, it is weird. Um, because like all my driver's license say six seven, and people right. look at me and they're like, "You're not six seven. You're- <laughs> you know, it's funny. I I'm not good with this to begin with, but I really I I saw you as tall, like taller than yeah. me, like when we talk and hang out, whatever. Yeah. But I wasn't until I saw a photograph of us doing the show at Largo, and I was like, "Oh, he's he's really tall." (laughs) Yeah, I was like, "I really don't like." Yeah, you don't. I don't know. It doesn't seem like that tall when we're hanging out. But that when I saw the pictures, I was like, "Either he's gigantic, or I'm a Lilliputian." I don't notice it. Yeah, I'm. I'm so used to it now that I don't notice it when I'm around people who are even really tiny. Right. I don't even notice it anymore until I see photos. Right. And I'm like, Jesus yeah. Christ. <laughs> a, I'm a fucking giant. And B, I really need to lose weight because that's not adding to the <laughs> the weird factor in this photo. No, but that's the good thing about being tall. You can gain as much weight as you want and it works. You can carry yeah, it. Yeah, if I was 5'8 yeah. and the weight I am now, I would be <laughs> of, I would be like the girl who turns into a blueberry in Willy, <laughs> in Willy Wonka. <laughs> you have to go for a squeezing? Yeah. Do you go to the doctor? Like, do you get checked out? Yeah. In fact, I have to leave here. I have to be in Beverly Hills by two to see my my chiropractor because I have a sprained back. But what, I mean, like, for, like, physicals? Like, oh, blood once, work, once cholesterol, in a while, that yeah. kind of stuff? Once in a while. Yeah. I got to do that soon. And shockingly, it's all fairly normal. That's good. I remember I went because I've... I've suffered from vertigo for like 20 years. Right. And when we were shooting the last season of Sarah's show, uh, actually the last episode, uh-huh. the whole last week, I had vertigo so bad. I think it was stress related, but yeah. so bad that I, you know, every time they yell cut, I would have to hold on to someone for balance. Oh, jeez. And uh, so I went to a doctor, an ENT, to get my ears checked. And right. he was doing these checks. And all of a sudden he's like, I want you to see a cardiologist. 
And this was a Friday, so I was like, all right, I'll make an appointment on Monday. He's like, no, I want you to see one right now. Oh, my God. Like, I don't even want to finish our checkup. I want you. And I was like. Did you start sweating? <laughs> yeah, I was terrible. <laughs> and I'm a hypochondriac, so I was like, am I, am I dying? What did you What did you find? And he's like, I just want to rule some things out. Oh, my God. And so he sent me to a guy that was in his building, and uh, they did every test possible. Really? Like. I like everything. So yeah. I was terrified. And then I'm sitting, excuse me, I'm sitting in the examining room waiting for the doctor <laughs> to come in and he peeks his head in after like 20 minutes of me sitting there terrified by myself. Yeah. <laughs> he was like, I need to talk to you in my office. And I was like, cancer. It's oh cancer. my God. I, I have heart cancer. cancer. <laughs> Some kind of cancer is in my heart. Oh my. Who says that? And so I go into his office and I sit down and I'm staring at this guy and he just goes, you are the biggest hypochondriac I've ever met. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, why would you tell me to come in here to tell me that? Yeah. I'm like, you just scared the shit out of me. How about just, dude, it's all good. Let's go talk. Uh, yes, exactly. <laughs> right. And, uh, and he's like, you're, everything is perfect. Your cholesterol, your, <laughs> I'm like, that is impossible. And I was heavier than I am now. I'm like, look at me. That can't be. Did you double check this That's stuff? That's so great. And he's like, no, he's like, I know. He's like, but, uh, you have really good genes, probably. That's great. And, uh, your parents still alive? Yeah. And he's like, he's like, don't let this make you think you can slack off for the rest of your life. He's like, cause it will eventually catch up to you. Yeah, but not really. Yeah, and I was just like, <laughs> all really. right. I uh my family has some some heart stuff, not major, but like high cholesterol and like yeah. way older kind of heart stuff. And uh so my cholesterol is always kind of like on the fence. Yeah. And uh I have to go for a physical soon. And I was like for for, for like age. for like a couple of years I'm like I'm not I'm not going on these drugs. I'm not going I'm not doing it. I'm yeah, I started eating like a vegan for a while, for most of the, most of the time, I still do. And, uh, and I'm like, I'm not going on it. I'm not going on it. Just recently, <laughs> I was thinking, I've got to make this appointment. I have to go in. And I'm like, you know, you, whenever you make a physical, you're like, I want a clean month before I go in. Yeah. <laughs> right? I need to detox. Yeah. Like to lie to, to lie to the guy. Yeah. And I'm like, no, I just got to set the date and go in. Whatever I am, I am. And if I have to go on drugs, you know what? So be it. <laughs> Another thing, yeah. like out of my head, of like having to think about. Oh no, there might be a piece of egg in that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Egg. I I saw a guy talking on some show, and he's like, "We just eat like men. We just eat. We just eat. We just eat because it tastes good." I haven't eaten like that in I, probably ten years. Yeah, I don't think of. Oh, maybe I'm only eating stuff because it tastes good. I'm like, oh, but that might not be good, and that might be just fatty or that might. I've, yeah, I've just gotten to that point. Yeah, it was weird because I woke up. I mean, it was almost overnight, just like towards the end of last year where I'm like, I'm going to be 46. Right. I know several people who have either had strokes <laughs> or heart attacks at 46 years old. Yeah. Yeah. And I am in a, I'm like a prime candidate. I, I eat like crap and, uh, yeah. I'm I upset sleep. that we can't go for chili today. Yeah, that's all right. I have to go to this stupid audition too, but that we'll make it up in San Francisco. Oh yeah. Where are we going to go? There's so many great restaurants up there. Are you working tomorrow night? I'm doing a show before your show. Oh, my show's tomorrow night. Oh, right. Yeah. I'm doing. Oh, you have a show before my show with Brendan Small. And then are you doing something Saturday? 
Not much. I, I'm doing someone's podcast in the afternoon. When do you fly back? Monday. Monday? Yeah. I'm doing a show Sunday night. Oh, oh that's cool. Saturday, I have to do set list. Maybe Ooh. we should go to dinner before the set yeah. list. House of Nanking. All right. Have you been there? No. It's great, great Chinese food. Yeah? Great. You go in, and if something's not on the menu, they still make it for you. All right, let's do it. Yeah. Yeah, because lunch, I think we have something, but let's do... That'll be good. I um. So, yeah, so I played football. Yeah. And uh, By the way, we're here with Tom Papa. <laughs> oh, yeah. I wonder if people know. I guess I can do an... I'll do an intro before this, but... Um, You're not going to... You can do an intro and then cut it and put it in front of this? That sounds like a whole day. No, but I have a, a producer who puts this up on Feral Audio. He can... Oh, that's good. I can record it when I go to see him. Thanks, but, dude. But we're here with Tom Papa, my my pal and very funny uh, comedian who I will be in San Francisco with. Depending on when I get this up, either tomorrow night or tonight. Whenever Friday night. Friday the 6th. And... And um, Tuesday, Tuesday the tenth, the tenth at Largo. At Largo this Tuesday, that's gonna be a good show. You've got, you've really got a great show going there. Come to Papa, which is a monthly show at Largo. Yeah, and we'll be doing for Sketchfest. Yeah, with Janine Garofalo, Adam Scott, Adam Scott, Moshe Kasha, Moshe, Kevin Pollack, yourself. I think Moshe is a San Francisco native. Yeah, that's right. Hometown boy makes good. Yeah, maybe he should close. I gotta figure Maybe it out. He's funny. And then we on in uh, in L.A. on Tuesday we have Joel McHale, mm. T.J. Millers. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, Natasha, Matt what? Damon. No, Matt Damon. <sighs> Matt Damon is. Isn't it funny? People thought we were doing the Kimmel thing by saying that Matt Damon was on the show. Yeah, yeah. He's done the last like five shows. At he's Largo. been on every show that I've been on at Largo. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. And now he's now he's going to make movies. Yeah, some Martian movie. Yeah, whatever. And then he's going to go do the Bourne movie, and then he's going to do some China movie. So he's not going to be around for a bit. It's a busy guy. Yeah, well, screw him, because we, we still have a show to we do We don't need him. We're comedians. It's a comedy yeah. show. Right. We have T.J. Miller <laughs> and Steve Agee. <laughs> oh, God. Um, but yeah, but that's, um, that's who's on the show. So I, yeah, so I played football... And yeah, I liked it. I was, you know, I was good and whatever. But I went literally from kindergarten till senior year, all year, every the whole thing. So when I got to the point of graduating, my father was like, you know, you could play Division three, you know, maybe that's what you'll do. And then the, the momentum was going that way, and I was like, uh, uh-uh, uh, I'm done. I, I'm, I've, I've done enough of this. Yeah, and I literally, I went to a school in New Jersey called Ryder University where. I knew they had theater, but they didn't have football. They they violated nice. something and they closed their program down. <laughs> I was violated. like, if I go here, I, there's no, yeah. I'm not going to get talked into doing it. <laughs> so I just started hanging around the theater and stuff. And I always wanted to be a comic. So when I got out of school, I moved up near New York and I was like, oh, I have to get parts if I'm going to act, yeah. but I could just go do an open mic in the city. How was your first open mic? Uh, it was good. It was really small. You're not allergic to cats, are you? Some I am, some I'm not. I don't think I'm allergic to yours because I didn't have problems last time I was here. On Christmas Eve. Yeah. Um, the, uh, what would you, what'd you ask? Your first open mic. Oh, yeah. It was at the New York Comedy Club. Yeah. And uh, I went up and 
I, you know, you bring five friends to go sit in the audience. I brought my five friends and the other per- people brought like two people. There was like, nice. literally so like you, 10 people yeah. in the thing. And uh, Gary Greenberg, do you know him? He's a writer in... Uh, yeah, at Kimmel. Kimmel. He I was, was writing hosting. at Kimmel when, when Gary was there, yeah. <laughs> Did you ever see his his? I didn't set? know he did stand-up. Yeah, he used to do stand-up. And he has a big nose. And yeah. he would hold... He had cards, like a picture of a baby with a hole cut out for the nose. And then like a, maybe a parrot, I think, with a hole cut out for the bee. And he would... <laughs> he was On stage, he would be like, <laughs> put his nose through... He'd hold up the baby and put his nose through... <laughs> The pictures of a big nose. I have a big nose. I didn't know Gary did stand up. He was good. He was really good. He was really funny. He just had this funny way about him, and he was good. And the other guy waiting to go on was uh, Greg Giraldo. Mm-hmm. Wow. And he was he had just started as well, and he was just terrified. He was just really nervous and sweating, and like there's nobody in there, and I'm like kind of excited to do it, and I yeah. see him freaking out. And I'm like, uh oh, this is gonna be scarier than I thought. Yeah. And then. uh and he did really well, and I kind of got through it, and I had a couple jokes that worked, like that I wrote that worked. Yeah. And uh, then I became really good pals with him immediately. It was like, oh, I found like a really good, it was just lucky that I found yeah. like, someone that loved it and really wanted to do it. Oh, my God, that's same, great. And it was like, okay, so we could partner up and figure out where the hell we're going to go and what we're yeah. going to do. Yeah, so it was good. It was definitely good. It wasn't like I killed, or what you couldn't really kill in that small of a thing. <laughs> but I was really, the only thing that I... The biggest thing was that I wrote a joke on my computer mm-hmm. and then said it, and it worked. And I was like, okay. That's a good feeling. Yeah. I was like, all right. this." My first time was an open mic. And I, I feel like it was my mom that told me about it because she knew how into comedy I was. I think my mom saw it in the paper that there was like an open <laughs> mic. And it was like a contest, too. How old were you? I was like 18. And I went to this... You know where it was? It was uh, it was in Montclair here in California. I think it was Laugh Stop. Uh-huh. Is that a place? I don't know. I think there was a, co- a place in Montclair called Laugh Stop. It was like an open mic contest. And I brought a shitload of friends. Nice. And so I got the most laughs out of shit that was <laughs> not funny. And so they had me come back. The next time wasn't as good. <laughs> yeah. But I was totally into it. And then, so I would just go through the papers looking for open mics. And then there was one at the Ice House in Pasadena. Oh, nice. Um, the, I don't even think it was an open mic. I think you had to audition. So I went to Pasadena and auditioned for this guy, Dave McNary, uh-huh. who still books there. Oh, yeah. And uh, he would let me do shows there. I would do them all the time. And and then one day, one night, he was like, I have a friend. He books a show in Burbank. Uh I told him about you. You should do it. And I was like, all right. Yeah. And I went and did it. And it was like an <laughs> urban night. And it was, I was the only white comedian and it was the worst thing I've ever done. But like <laughs> not one single laugh. They weren't heckling. Thank God. Cause I probably <laughs> never would have done stand up again, but dead silence, just blank stares. <laughs> the only laughing was my girlfriend in the back of the room who was not pity laughing, but laughing at how horrible it was going. <laughs> Just cackling in the back of the room. And uh, I didn't do comedy again for like eight years after that. Eight years? I was like, fuck this. I'm done. No. And I started playing in bands. That's hilarious. <laughs> I, I pursued a career in music, even though like... I didn't know comedy that. Comedy was I, my biggest I love. thought you started as a musician. Then went into, I didn't realize you gave it a shot and then really come out. Gave it a shot. Those crowds to, are intimidating. Those yeah. We used to do... 
prom shows at the at Caroline's in oh. New York, and it was all young kids from the Bronx, you know, ninety eight percent black, yeah. and you know, in Caroline's you they announce your name and you walk along this wall and you're kind of in the in the spotlight mm-hmm. up to the stage so they can see who's coming, and <laughs> if they saw a big white head walking up that thing. <laughs> You'd start grumbling and then just stare you down. The same thing. They would heckle. They would actually. They would give you. They yeah, wouldn't, kids will. Young people will fucking heckle. Oh, they wouldn't give you two minutes. <laughs> you would just get up there and just take a pounding. And it was like three in the morning. You'd wait all night because it was three in the yeah, morning. Yeah, it was like two o'clock, three o'clock in the morning because they didn't want kids to go out to the oh drinking drinking and stuff. So they brought them here. So you wait all night and then you just go into this hornet's nest. <laughs> they just hated you immediately if you were white. Yeah, I was I was in an improv group for a while and we would get booked to do like corporate events and stuff. <laughs> and I remember one time we got booked to do a grad night for it was the night that all these high school seniors had graduated. They had already graduated that day. So they weren't getting kicked out of school for anything they did. They had diplomas at this point. But they had like a lock-in in the gym for the same reason. They didn't want them going out and right. getting drunk and getting in car accidents. So there were like hundred. It was uh, Corona Del Mar, mm-hmm. which is down in Orange County, a bunch of rich kids. Right. And it was at their their grad night. And they had hired a bunch of different acts and stuff. And so we go up in front of like, and it's like 1 o'clock in the morning. There's like <laughs> 200 and they were also drunk. Yeah. They found ways to of get course. drunk or high. <laughs> Just the loudest fuckers. And you go up and you're like, all right, uh, I need a location. Your mom's pussy. <laughs> that was a, that was a, an exact quote. Your mom's pussy. Uh, not going to do that. All right. Uh, and just everything was like, fuck yeah. Oh, it's the worst because you have to ask them for yeah. to participate. And the teachers are just like standing along the doors in the back of the room, just shaking their head like, oh, God. And as soon as we walked off the stage, like one of the teachers met us. They're like, I'm so sorry. And we're like, just fucking pay us. And we were all in the van driving back just Fuck, fuck. Everyone was just cursing the whole ride back to L.A. <laughs> I had the opposite with a high school thing where I went to do a school in New Jersey. It was a high school auditorium. It was a really nice school. Yeah. And the kids were really well behaved. And me and Kyle Dunnigan went to do it. And Kyle was opening and then How I was going to close. This? this was, oh, man, probably 15 years ago. Wow, Kyle's so, been doing stand up that long. Yeah, so we didn't have that much material. We didn't, you know, we had what we had, we, which wasn't a lot, and it was pretty, <laughs> and pretty dirty. Yeah, and we're standing there in front of all these high school kids, and <laughs> Kyle has this joke about, or not joke, that that song he does about the uh, the St. Patrick's Day parade when they wouldn't let gay people yeah, march, march in the parade, yeah. and it's. Uh, one of the lines, and he does it like "Heidi, Heidi, ho." He does it like with this Irish accent. And he says, "If you, if, if my cock, if me cock is, <laughs> if me cock is the ladle, your ass be the stew." <laughs> and 
he's he's bombing before the, he's bombing for a while and it's not going well and we're running he's you gotta fill the time and i he's i hear him start going into that song i'm like oh no he's going into that song this isn't wow kind of high school kids and i'm like oh he's i can't believe he's doing this and he, he get a little dirty and then he says okay i'm leaving and he gets off and i go on and i'm start bombing because they're high school kids. None of my stuff about being Did in New York City. Did that song bomb or were the kids laughing? They were, they were laughing and they were, that was, yeah, they started to laugh. So then I go out and, um, there's, a, there was like a hot teacher mm-hmm. and I, I'm bombing. So I'm just looking for any jokes. I just start talking about the hot teacher. And like, if I was in high school, that she would have been, she definitely would have been in my head late <laughs> at night or something like that. <laughs> it's a totally inappropriate masturbation joke. Yeah. So at the end, we, we we come off. We're just like, uh oh. The principal comes marching down the hall, yeah, with a Winnie the Pooh tie on <laughs> and a suit, <laughs> followed by these girls who are holding the hot teacher and a couple other teachers and these girls that are holding plates of brownies that say, "Thanks for performing at our school." Smiley face. <laughs> flower and there so that's the scene in front of us these girls like holding the things with big eyes like and we're getting in trouble by the principal he's like what were you thinking what were you your cock is the ladle (laughs) (laughs) these are best is when they repeat it back to you sounds so dirty of authority your cock is the ladle and my ass is the stew (laughs) these are children And we just want the check. You know, we're poor. We just need the check. We're just like, we're so sorry. You know, it's comedy sometimes. It's just, we kind of, we we kind of danced around it. So it wasn't really. It could have been way worse. (laughs) And we got the check and got out of there and it cashed. I couldn't believe it cashed. Oh, that was brutal. I was like, we've got to write more material (laughs) to get us through these situations. I, I used to be so obsessed with audiences. Before shows, like I would anywhere I would be performing before the show, I would always be peeking out to look for trouble spots, like (laughs) specifically looking for gray haired people, like (laughs) they're gonna hate me. Or if I saw people with a kid, I would be like, oh no, (laughs) no, I have all these jokes. That kid's gonna be so embarrassed. It's hilarious. I had to stop doing that. Yeah, that's terrible. And it's just been way better. Oh, yeah. do you look at the audience when you're performing? Like sometimes, because I know people that just kind of like look up and they, they I don't prefer, look down. I think I prefer to look off into the distance, yeah. and I can't help it. I look at them if I can see them. I look at them and try and win them all over. Do you <laughs> prefer a lit? Because no. there are some rooms where you can see everybody in yeah. the audience, which I hate. That's the problem with the Laugh Factory. It's, yeah, it's way too lit. That's why there's trouble at the Laugh Factory all the time. Yeah, with people, comedians getting in trouble and fights and whatever. Because the audience thinks that they're on equal in the footing show. with you. Yeah, it's terrible. You know, it's funny. My daughter was going to uh, just do some little speech in her class. Yeah. And I'm like, it's going to be no sweat. You're a good performer. She loves improv. She does all this stuff on yeah. stage. I'm like, you could do She said, yeah, but in this in this little room, you and it's all lit, you can see everybody. <laughs> Completely in fourth You're grade, like, I was I like, get it. I get it. <laughs> I said, just pick one friendly face and play to her. <laughs> You're like, I'm going to do you a favor. We're, you're calling in sick that day. <laughs> right, <yeah. laughs> I can get you 10 minutes at the Laugh Factory. It's so weird. I, I, This was, I think, last year, Zoe Friedman was booking uh, comics for Kimmel. Uh-huh. 
and we were working together and she's like, I want to get you on tape to show the producers over at Kimmel. Right. Uh, can you do a set Wednesday night? I'm like, sure. She's like, now I got to warn you. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> she's like, it's one of those audiences where they bust like in a, a group of like high school kids or something. And I was like, where at the improv? Yeah. Oh. Oh yeah, those yeah. Just like during the summer, yeah, we're bringing in a group of like high school kids, and I was just like, and serve them ice cream. Yes, yes, yeah. exactly. Trays they all ice had cream. ice cream. Yeah, and I was so terrified the whole you know few days leading up to that. It ended up being great. Like, <laughs> yeah, they were great. Like they're like, oh, that guy's on New Girl. Yeah, <laughs> and I, I talked to them like they were like I was the same age as them, and it was fine. And, That's hilarious. But there were a few I people played, that I've went up. That one. A few people that went up in the room that just it didn't go over well. With yeah. Them. No, they're good. You just, yeah, you can't really think about them. They're just, I think it was like Jerry Lewis was talking about something like they're, they're like meat. Yeah. The audience is like meat. You just get them in, get them out, do another show. And it's like, you kind of have to use that just to distance yourself because it's too much of a, a mind game. Yeah. I remember I, Sarah asked me when we were, it was the first season of our show. I think it had just started airing uh-huh. and she was doing a show at Stanford and she said, do you want to come open for me? And at this point I had maybe like 10 minutes of stuff. Really? Yeah. At that point? Was, yeah. Cause I had just like all my old stuff from when I was younger was just horrible. And uh-huh. I was like, I can't do all this. And so I was trying to like come up with new shit and right. And uh I was like, I don't know. I can't really do like 20 minutes. And she's like, She's like, just do whatever you can and then uh, bring a DVD and show some of your weird short films. And I was like, oh, that's great. Okay, I'll do that. Right. So we get up there and the day of the show, we we walk over to the theater and we meet our contact there. And uh, we walk into the theater. And by the way, Sarah didn't tell me it was in a theater. I thought it was going to be in like, I don't know why I thought it was going to be in like the student union <laughs> right. for like 50 kids. I don't know what the fuck I was thinking about. But we walk in. It's like a 2000 seat theater. And I'm like, oh, no. I'm like instantly had like diarrhea. I was like, this is fucked. I was like, this is too big. And she's like, it's, it'll be fine. And I go to hand the guy my... um my dvd and i go should i give you this dvd now and he's like oh we don't have a media we can't play media in here oh no (laughs) and sarah just started laughing at me (laughs) she kind of shrugged she's like oh do what you can i was like no (laughs) and so like this was like three hours before the show so like Sarah's in there just checking her phone, fucking around. And I'm like sitting over a notepad, just scratching shit off and trying to come up with shit. Oh, my and God. And then uh, in between diarrhea breaks to the bathroom. And then uh, the guy introduces me and I go out and it was the greatest thing ever. It was. Wow. I couldn't because of Sarah's show. I couldn't say anything that didn't kill. Like, right. They knew you. Like The guy who right. introduced me was really dry. And the first thing I said was like, wow, thanks for that energetic interview. And everyone was like, <laughs> like I had to wait for like a minute while he stopped laughing. And I started getting cocky and I was like That's making fun great. of some of the teachers. <laughs> and I was like, this is fucking easy. Oh my God. Yeah. And the very next night, I uh, went up at the improv 
so cocky. Uh-huh. First word out of my mouth was you hear someone in the audience go, ugh. And I was, <laughs> <laughs> I immediately started sweating like buckets. And like everything I say is just met with either ugh or, or just silence. And what I had done the night before in 20 minutes, I went through like seven minutes. I was like, good night. And I was like, uh, I, I don't want to do stand up. It's anymore. so bizarre. It's it, crazy. It's what's so crazy is you talk to people who are great, like who the nation knows are great, and they'll have those nights still. 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 I remember watching Bob Newhart when I was first starting. He's like, it's so exciting because you don't know what's going to happen. And any night, it could go horribly wrong. <laughs> that is so not exciting to me. That's terrifying. <laughs> right. And he's like, but then you just kind of like look at it. But don't you like, if it doesn't go well now, aren't you just kind of like laugh it off and be like, now oh, I'm like, I'm in one of those. I'm like, whatever. Right. I don't care. <laughs> right. Exactly. But it used to affect me so bad. Like that left a really bad taste in my mouth for the improv. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's still to this day, I get nervous when I go to the improv really? just from that show. <laughs> Things stick with you. Yeah, it was, uh, remember when you'd get a set and you'd be like, if you woke up in the morning and you knew you had a set that night, your whole day was pretty much ruined. (laughs) (laughs) It still is. And not out of like fear, but more out of like, I don't really want to start anything today because I got to start thinking about this, this This 10 minute set. I'm doing it like 10 o'clock at night. So I'll just like sit on my couch or just like go to get coffee and like, It's really just an excuse for me to fuck off for it. It's, <laughs> it's embarrassing. Like, yeah, I'll be like, oh, I'll wake up in the morning. Oh, I got a show in a few out, a few hours, <laughs> which is like 13 hours away. I'm like, yeah, I can't really go to that meeting today. I got to do this. Got to go to a spot. Uh, I'm jealous of that part of your life. I am. Yeah. I'm like, because I still don't really consider myself a comedian. I consider myself an actor comedian. Oh, really? Like if I ever have to write it down in like a bio, yeah. it's always actor ah. slash comedian. Sometimes actor, writer, comedian. Are you acting in something now? Other than I'm a recurring Papa? character on New Girl on Fox. Oh, you are? I've done like 10 episodes. Oh, wow. And um, That's good. It's where I make most of my money. Yeah. You know, I don't make money very often doing stand-up. And I have a right. hard time doing the road because right. of... Uh, Your couch isn't on the road. That and also, <laughs> it's crazy. I I really... I would... Honestly, I'd love to do the road. Yeah. But I've had vertigo, you know, for 20, yeah. 20 years. And it really... it uh, Mentally, it just affects me. Oh, that, it's got like, to. I'm like... uh I was like, I, I, I don't really want to go do like Thursday through Sunday in like Indianapolis because right. what if I wake up Friday morning and I have an attack of vertigo and can't oh. perform? I'm in a town where I know nobody. Yeah. It really is. That's the number one factor for me is my fear of having vertigo. That's debilitating. I, yeah, I, you know. I don't even bring it up. I don't even want to talk about it with you because I'm afraid I'm going to like make it happen. <laughs> no, you won't make it happen. It's, I mean, I deal with it every day. I have a form of, I'm very functional with right. it. Like I'm a little off balance. Like if I turn my head really fast, I'll be a little bit dizzy. But every, like once a year, I'll wake up in the morning and sit up and it looks like the room is spinning Aye. and I have to lay down for the whole day. Aye. That happened to me once off a plane where I popped my ear. When I got back to my apartment, uh-huh. and 
it spun so quick that I was on the ground and I could, and I was alone. There was nobody there. Yep. And I literally for six hours laid on the ground, laid on the ground. I could not lift my head. And to think that you have to deal with that, like as a recurring thing is what, how did it eventually, it just eventually went away. Just settled. Yeah. I don't know what, what technically would have settled, but I remember once I went to, uh, it was the same time I was having, having it really bad. It was, we had just wrapped that final episode of Sarah's show. And I was just like, I want to get out of town. Yeah. And also it was at a time when there was a huge fire in Los Angeles. I don't know if you, how long have you lived here? Off and on for 10, 11 years. About four, four or five years ago, I think it was 2010 or the end of 2009, there was a huge fire up in the Angeles Crest Forest oh, yeah. that they had to let burn for two weeks. Wow. Like they couldn't put it out. It was so huge that it just burned for two weeks. And it was a massive, like all of LA was covered in ashes. Yeah. Like you'd walk out in the morning, your car would be covered in ashes. <sighs> and it was like affecting my life. I think that's probably why my vertigo was so bad at that point also. Uh-huh the stress of the show ending and also just my lungs were just full of ashes. <laughs> God. And so we wrapped and I was like, I'm going to go to drive up the coast, like Pismo beach and get a hotel. Yeah. And it was awesome. I went up, got a hotel for like four days. And like on the third day, like I just got up, not even in the morning. It was like towards the afternoon. I just all of a sudden got really bad vertigo and just had to lay on the bed all night. I couldn't yeah. even go to sleep because the second I'd start to fall asleep and turn my head, like oh, yeah. I'd feel like I was spinning. So I like laid awake for like 12 hours, just staring at the ceiling. Oh my God. And, uh, you know, a few times I'd have to go to the bathroom and that was just like, you just kind of stand up and just force yourself to like yeah. walk, you know, <laughs> without falling down to the bathroom and then just get right back into bed. Oh my God. And I just remember going, God, what if this is still happening tomorrow? How am I going to get home? Like, right. I don't know anybody here, but I don't want to call like the emergency room. Like, so if you had a show that night, like, if yeah, you- if I had had a show that night, I couldn't have done it. Wow. But it's never this. The weird thing is it's never affected. It's never affected work for me. Like, yeah. I, I get really nervous when I book, like if new girl calls and they're like, we want you to come in Wednesday to work. Right. I'll get really nervous. Uh-huh. Like, oh, what if I wake up Wednesday morning? And like my, most of my fear is about letting people down. Right. Like my shrink says I have a big issue with like, I'm a people pleaser. Like I right. don't want to let people down. And I'm, yeah. there's like a, a big opportunity with a, a film crew to like, there's like hundreds yeah. of people like Everyone's who are waiting on you. On a schedule. And, and so it's just always a huge fear. Well, it's never affected it's, work. And it's never stopped me from working. That's interesting. I wonder if it's mentally you can. I think a lot of it's stress related. Yeah, that's the that's the maddening thing is that they don't really know. Yeah, there's what like it is. There's like a million things that can cause yeah. vertigo. It's that's that's unfortunate. <laughs> I yeah, I don't I don't envy that. But then you get it's kind of cool that it forces you to stay in town and get acting roles. Yeah. I you know I would love to do the road. I I I feel like I should maybe talk to my manager and book some just like one nighters. Yeah, I know Doug Benson doesn't do he doesn't do weekends anymore. He'll just go to a town and do one show, right? Like on a Thursday or Wednesday yeah. or something. And yeah, I'm like that might be good. That is a good way to do it. I remember uh, Maria was doing that. Yeah, like, she's the other person. People yeah. are always like, you should talk to Maria because she doesn't do weekends anymore. Yeah, she's like she's. She's a mess too, just like me. <laughs> right. So she was like, I'm not going to go 
play to these crowds that don't know me, but then you go on a Tuesday, then they maybe... I remember when she was starting to do it. And it was like, it wasn't huge crowds at the time, but they were coming to see her. Yeah. And now she can go and sell them out and have all her people and Tuesday, Wednesday, and then you're home. Yeah. And I also think there's an advantage in that, like, I can't... I'm not going to go to, like, Madison and sell out four fucking nights. Right. Or, you know, how, six shows or whatever it is. Right. I, I just can't do that. I'm not yeah. like Bill Burr or somebody right. like that. And, um, but if I go to Madison for one night, I think I can get enough people. Selling tickets is such a, it's a crazy business. It's like, I'll go to some places and be like, Oh, boom. Once they know I'm there, good. Yeah. Weekend's done. Yeah. I'm good. You know, there's a bunch of places like that. And then you go to like a new place and it's like, okay, we've got a uh, 80 people. It's a uh, holds 500, but we'll, <laughs> We'll, uh, we'll, we'll make it. We just gotta get some radio going. And it's just like, oh, it t- that part just, that's where the TV stuff is good because then you can get to yeah. a profile where you don't want to, cause you don't want to have to worry about that part of it. It's so much to worry about just being funny and having a great show. That's the other part is with being, doing stuff on TV is you show up and people are like, middle americans who are like oh this yeah. sweet boy is doing stand-up and then like you start talking about your hemorrhoids and they're like oh, oh well, what did we just pay 25 dollars to see what is wrong with him jesus this man is a monster that was the tracy morgan thing where he was, yes everyone really thought he was just this sweet little guy from the show and they literally would have to tell audiences no this is really going to be off color and they're like no we get it we, we love him no yeah. you seriously this is going to be yeah and then they'd still be offended <laughs> i mean i love that kind of stuff like i don't care i i'm just such a fan of comedy and like yeah. when i was younger i would go to comedy clubs to see shows oh yeah and I remember seeing Bob Saget. At, I think I went to the Laugh Factory when yeah. I was younger. And I was like, oh, my God. This guy is filthy. This guy who plays like a parent on like one of the most popular shows in the world right. is filthy. The funniest video guy. <laughs> and I loved it. I, I thought he was so funny. Yeah. It's so hilarious. I just had lunch with him the other day. You did? Yeah. Uh, for the first time. I've never met him. But uh, what a great I guy. I think he's hilarious. I sent a picture of me at the comedy store in the back, like how spooky it was back there. You know, they say it's haunted and stuff. And it's uh, also just a creepy, <laughs> just creepy, a creepy green room. Yeah. Black green black, room. Yeah. Lacquer. And I mean, it doesn't look yeah, everything's shiny and black. And yeah. It's creepy just because it's creepy. But he worked there for seven years. So he contacted me. So we went out and hung out and he, he worked there for uh, seven years as a host at the comedy store. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, he's he's got some good stories. He says that room really intimidates me. I just started going and it, I've been there like four or five times in the last 2 weeks. Yeah. It's been great. Has it really? Yeah. What, where where do you perform there? The original room? The original room and the main room. Yeah. And uh I like the original room better. But it's just been it feels a little New York to me. Like yes. it doesn't feel it doesn't feel like as young datey for the you yeah. know largo's the best like largo is it's the just best. it's like a, a big sauna of comedy a big it's a jacuzzi too. it's not all clubby it's so great but then we go to the clubs it's like you know sometimes you can go into these places and it's like it's they're 18 is date night and they're just all rowdy and drunk and making yeah. out with their girlfriends and but it, 
it's the store felt like these people are just here for this comedy. It felt, yeah. I mean, I'm sure I, I'm jinxing this, isn't it? My next set there's going to be terrible. <laughs> You're going to get shot. Yeah. But uh, no, it's been pretty good. My first time there, um, I was terrified because I've heard so many weird, crazy stories. <laughs> All your show business stories are, I was terrified. All my first shows at new places, I'm terrified. Um, uh, and I was in the green room and I was looking at my notes. Yeah. And I wasn't necessarily going to take a set list out with me, but I have really bad problems remember, like memorizing. Right. And so I just like to have like a set list. Look, musicians, sure. so I know what's next. I don't, I'm not yeah. reading a script or anything. Yeah. Um, but I'm like making a set list and some, one of the regulars there like walked by and saw me and he's like, no notes at the store. <laughs> and I was like, what? And he, he's like, no notes. Can't take notes out with you. And I was like, a comic? Yes. I don't remember who the fuck it was, but <laughs> I, I immediately just like spun out and I'm like, what the fuck am I going to do? How am I going to remember this? And, uh, and so I wrote my set list on my shoe. <laughs> I still have the shoe and it's just got, not even a, I couldn't fit full like phrases. So it would be like keywords, like yeah. hemorrhoids, cum, like <laughs> weird cock. And like, and so like, I, and then, then I had that in Sharpie on my shoe. So then I had all this explaining to do. Like whenever I'm at a party or a dinner, you're like, why does it say cum on your shoe? And I'm like, I gotta do you think you could have just brought it up? Yes. Oh, right. Yeah. I've since I've done it and I'm yeah. like, Sarah does it. Yeah. Like, of course. This douchebag that just told me that. <laughs> it's hilarious. I'm not reading a There are a lot of stage. guys over there. I don't know the scene at all. I, I don't hang know. out. I'm I don't usually, know. I usually go in, do my thing, and I split. Mm -hmm. I'm just there for the spots, you know, and just, and, uh, but you can tell, like, my first night there was like, you know, it was a really good lineup. It was like all these good people that you'd know, and I'm looking at the lineup, and there's, as I'm looking at it and figuring out where do I go, where's the light, I don't know anything. All these like guys, like squirrely guys, are like coming up and looking at the list and kind of muttering to themselves and like walking off. And I'm like, oh, this is like that underbelly. There's like an angry underbelly you always hear of over there of like young comics who are just kind of tortured souls. <laughs> so weird. Like, yeah. I also remember which is the room. I don't. I think it's the main room that I went up in. That I didn't know that like the sign in the back was the light. The light, yeah. So I was just like, I was waiting for a light and like, I was like, oh, that sign is flash. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I think they just have a fucked up neon sign in the back of the room. And then, Why doesn't every club just have like, I did a corporate gig where they had a clock down on the stage and it just counted down to zero from whatever. Yeah. And uh, that should be in every club. I, a lot of times will have my phone out there with me recording. Like, yeah. I'll have a, have it recording and so I can just look at the timer on my phone to see how long Whenever I try and do that it always goes black it goes to black <laughs> and then I'm like then I gotta swipe and get it open again and, and people are like oh look at Mr. Text message on <laughs> yeah, stage right, exactly we're so not interesting he's texting I did I did this thing at, at the Cine Family Theater down on Fairfax um, I, I forget what the show was but there were a lot of like comedians and Tenacious D headlined the show and I was out in the courtyard with Jack and Kyle before the show. And I was showing them this app I have on my iPhone. It's called Bebot. I don't yeah. have it on my phone currently, but it's like just this, you slide your finger around on the phone and it just makes weird noises. Like, 
Like it's a synth pad. Yeah. And I was showing them and they're like, Oh, that's awesome. And then like during their set, they had me come up on stage and like play it <laughs> in one of their songs. And I saw a bunch of photos and it just looks like I'm on stage text messaging while Tenacious D is playing. I look like such an asshole. Like, this is a dude text messaging on stage. So bored. <laughs> They're all sweating and kicking ass. <laughs> um, how long have you been doing Come to Papa? You were doing it in New York first, right? Yeah. Well, it started as um, it's a Sirius XM show and started as an interview show, as a one on one interview show. and um, Which is great. Which, oh, thanks. That's how I first found out about your right, show. Is I think I listened to the Seinfeld one and right, I was like, right. oh my God, this is really good. Yeah, that's right. I remember you saying that. It's funny. Like, you're one of those people who we kind of became pals through, like, Twitter before we met. It was like, hey, I think I I like what you do. Yeah, you're one of those people I don't really remember meeting the first time. But I'm sure we've... I know we met in green rooms at, like, UCB or something. Yeah, yeah. Yes, for sure. We were definitely friends on Twitter. Yeah, it felt like I knew you beforehand. But, um, yeah, I started coming to Papa... It's probably three years ago, or maybe four years ago. Are you still doing ago. it for serious? I am. Okay, I am. Though all those that we do and are recorded for right. serious, and um, uh, the interviews, I just you know I went through a lot of people, and um, you know there's still a bunch to do, and I'm still like trying to do a couple a month for the yeah. interview, which you should do. Yeah, I and uh, uh, but then once I started doing these live shows. It was so much more creative. It was so, so fun. They're so great. They have these great comics and we do all the sketch stuff and, you know, you get to write it and then have the comedians make it better and yeah. music and it just becomes like this classic radio show that's just, yeah, it's so great. And so I started that in New York at the Village Underground. It's great in that I can ha- hold a script on stage with me. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. You just sit there and you can just read it and be funny. And, uh, so I started that in, I guess it was like around Thanksgiving of 13. So that's been, you know, a year, year and a half. half, I guess, of doing live shows once a month. But now that I'm out here full time uh, doing it at Largo, it really feels like the Village Underground's awesome too. Yeah. But Largo, it just, excuse me, feels like such a great spot for it. It's my favorite theater. And now it's just, um, you know, and it keeps building. Uh, the, the last one that you weren't at, it was like right after Christmas. It was in Jan- right after New Year's. January. And it was, it was a little slow getting people in. And it was like, and Matt wasn't on it. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I, I hope we didn't set it up that everybody's going to just think, well, if Matt Damon's on it, we'll come. Well, I think at first people are like, it's, it's weird. You, you always tweet like on the show, Steve Agee, Sarah Silverman, like you're naming all these right. comedians and Matt Damon. Right. <laughs> I think uh, some people were like, oh, this is like that Kimmel thing where he ends yeah. every show with apologies to Which Matt Which is Damon. so funny. Yeah, because it's like, no, he really likes doing the show. He's really the there. And uh, How'd you meet him? Um, I, was, I mean, I know, but just for I the, was cast on The Informant, which was uh, very funny. a really good movie. That's Steven Soderbergh film. Is that how you met Joel as well? That's how I met Joel, too. Yeah, I met Joel. We were all in uh, Decatur, Illinois, shooting this movie. And... Uh, it was just great. I met Joel there and, uh, and Matt and Soderbergh and Greg Jacobs. That's a pretty big comedy nerd. Loves it. When he first came out here, uh, and there were a lot of comedians in that movie. There was like, yep. Um, Alan Havy and a bunch of people and, um, 
uh, Patton, and a lot of people were in it. Yeah. And Tommy Smothers played my dad. Yeah. And Soderbergh felt like if I cast this, he didn't want it to be too serious, but it was read as a serious piece. He said, but everyone was kind of a buffoon. He said, if I cast a lot of comics, it'll give this, everyone, every comic brings their own quirky energy. Yeah. And if I populate it with all this quirky energy, it'll feel like an off kilter thing, which is kind of helps the narrative. Is Paul F. Tompkins, is Paul F. Yeah, Tompkins in it? Tompkins yeah. is in it. And Paul uh, F. Tompkins has a whole bit about doing that movie. Oh, yeah. And how, I'll just really quick. He, yeah. he says they were filming a scene at a table and uh, it was between scenes and they're all just sitting around talking and someone brings Matt this like dish of like blue liquid with like another dish in the middle with like these gelatinous cubes. Uh-huh. And like Paul tells it in his it's on one of his albums how he's like looking around and no one is saying anything about like what is in front of Matt Damon. He's like. He's like, I've been living for years thinking Matt Damon is an alien and he uses these cubes to live. And then he said he was telling this story once in Vancouver and someone in the back of the in the audience goes, I know what that those cubes were. He's like, who said that? And he goes, it was Tom Arnold. And he's like, was it towards the end of filming? And he's like, yeah, it was like the last week of shooting. And he's like, um, he's like, okay. He's like, I bet Matt put on some weight for that role and it was part of those cubes were part of like a cleanse ah that's was an alien yeah he did gain a lot for that film that was the kind of the upsetting thing he was like makes this big thing about how he gained all this weight for it and he still looked like so much better than he me. still looked really normal <laughs> i know exactly he still looked like a movie star <laughs> yeah <laughs> paul um i was excited to see paul on that film I can't because we were just stuck in Decatur, like doing yeah. nothing. You know, like if you sh- you know if you shoot, they don't fly you back home. They no, just you're there. leave you there. Yeah, even though you're not working for five straight days. Yeah, and um, so I remember, <laughs> I remember Paul hurt my feelings because I was hanging around, and then Paul showed up to to act on it, and I was like, oh, cool, a comedian, someone. I kind of didn't really know him that well, but I'm like, okay, comedian. It's like, okay, good. Yeah. Someone I can eat with. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and I called him in his room and he's like, I'm like, so we're going to go get something to eat. He's like, um, well, Patton just came and, uh, I, we just, uh, have, we haven't seen each other in a long time. <laughs> oh, and man. I just laughed. I was like, ha, ha, ha. Seriously, should we meet in the lobby? He was like, um, no, we're just kind of, kind of, I was like, Aww. oh, I was I hung up the phone in Decatur. I'm clicks like, on movies in Decatur. It's <laughs> like, I thought we were going to be friends. <laughs> That's like my favorite part of like working out of town is just getting to hang out with people. Like, yeah. But you know, I mean, look, he's a good guy. I'm not saying it just, I was just like sad. I was like, oh, I will, but, but, but can I come with you guys? <laughs> I shot something in, uh, in Wilmington, North Carolina and it was, same thing. I was there for like three weeks and just the best time was just when we we're doing nothing and like, yeah, me and I can't it. imagine being, you know, in the middle of nowhere, like where you were, because there was like stuff to do in North Carolina. We had the ocean there. And yeah. No, there was nothing. There was like a park. I went running in and you just got lost. Like had all this weird sculptures, like a massive thing. And it was cool. And, uh, Scott Bakula was a oh, great right. guy and Joel was really funny. And then we had this, it was like, there was literally nothing. So it was like this, a bad hotel 
and we would uh we called it club informant mm-hmm. and at, when everyone was done shooting for the day like everyone would come back and drink and everyone would just have a good time yeah. and Matt and Soderberg everybody would just yeah kind of get hammered and uh and it was cool because even if you weren't working you would just wait me and Alan Havy would just like sit there I and love like that guy. wait and like we drink scotch my manager had sent me this really good scotch and we're like sipping scotch and just waiting Alan would be looking out the window like they're coming they're coming <laughs> and then we like we didn't we wanted it was like our first big film so yeah. we're like you don't want to like be the first ones at the club <laughs> at the club like hurry up guys and we're like Can I we love go it's now? your first big film but you're also full grown adults <laughs> I know <laughs> We don't know how to act, but uh, it really was a it was a blast for sure. So that's how I met Matt, and it was completely just got cast in it. You know, it was like yeah. very rare in my mm-hmm. career do I like just go audition for something and get it. Yeah, I usually get it because either I wrote it or because right. somebody knows me yep. and puts me in it. Same or whatever. Here. I'm going to do this audition after you leave. And um, are you allowed to say what it's for? It's for a TV show for uh, NBC. Nice. And it's written pretty well. It's not it's that pilot bad. season for those of you in the not in the know who are listening. Yeah. This is my season of saying no. I'm not I just saw so many already. I'm just like I can't. I just can't say these words. I, I uh I auditioned for the Pee Wee Herman Netflix oh, you did? show yesterday. Yeah. Oh, it's a show? I can't tell if it's a movie or they're making it episodic, but uh it, uh-huh. I think it's gonna be really funny. Oh, I'm sure. You'd be great on that. It's funny because I'm a huge Pee Wee Herman fan. And so when I was reading my part of this like mountain man, I'm just really over the top. Hey, yeah. Pee Wee. Because that's how they are in, on his show and on yeah. the movies. Like everyone's really over the top. So I go in and the casting director's like, all right, I'll be reading with you uh, whenever you're ready. So I'm like, hey there, Pee Wee. And I get like five lines in. She's like, stop. She's like, you got to tone it down. <laughs> oh, really? I was like, really? She's like, yeah, just read it normally. I'm like, really? For Pee Wee? Yeah. And I had this whole thing where I wanted to, uh, where I was saying his name wrong, which yeah. just, it was just a choice I made. Yeah. I kept calling him Payway. <laughs> hey, Payway. And she didn't like that either. Oh, really? So I was like, this will be really funny and over the top, like all the characters in his movies. She's like, no, just tone it. Read, read it kind of dramatically. I'm like, Ugh, oh, fine. It's terrible. I hate it. I, I definitely hate the auditioning. Um, my big thing now is I need glasses to read. Me too. And or actually, I need to take mine off to read. I don't really. Yeah. Yeah. So like you're nor- I need separate reading glasses now. So it's I, you know, I don't act with my glasses most of the time. Yeah. I don't think I ever have. But now I have to sit there in the audition with these glasses on. And I feel like because I've never worn glasses, I feel like when I put them on, I'm a different character you do look a little different with them on right i'm like this different very guy. old like 1950s you know <laughs> right it's a different guy than the, but i i don't for auditions i can't totally memorize it yeah so, i auditioned for your pilot last last uh that's right you were the first one in last year and i remember going in being really excited and i read it and i was like this is really funny this is one of the funnier ones i've read this season yeah and um, I get there and I park in the building and I park right next to Dave Becky, who was right. who was parked at the same time as me. And and he sees me. He's like, hey, Steve. And I'm like, hey, I'm just here to read for the. And he's like, yeah, you'd be perfect for the. Like, just really like <laughs> yeah. trying to make me feel better. 
And then I go and I'm in the waiting area and I'm just recognizing all these like <laughs> character actor guys, you know, like Scott Adsit and yeah, like the guy, the guy who played Kevin on The Office, yeah. the bigger guy. And I'm like, oh, anytime I start seeing people like that, I'm like, fuck, my chances are really dropping. <laughs> right, exactly. And then uh, they call me in, first one in, and yep, I walk in and I do it and it's fine. And then uh, I was like, you weren't there, but I remember saying to everyone, because I knew Becky and all those guys yeah. already. So I'm like, hey, can you guys do me a favor? When I open the door to leave, or even before I open it, can you all like start laughing really loud and like maybe even cheer? And so I'm like... Okay, go. And so they're all like, ah! <laughs> like, all right, thanks, Steve. That was great. And I walk out just to make the other guys feel like shit. Because that happens so many times to me. Oh, I know. Someone's in there like killing and it goes long. They're in there for like 15 minutes and yep. you go in and it's like four minutes and you're out. Yep. <laughs> I if that, I, w I went to a pilot, same year I went to a pilot audition and this is what made me do it. It was like a few days before and I'm in this waiting area and matt besser from ucb comes in yeah and they call him casting uh, assistant she's like matt they're ready for you and she walks him over and opens the door and as soon as the door opens everyone's like hey, like, hey. <laughs> and there you can hear him talking before they even do the audition yeah and then he's in there and they're laughing and it's like 15 minutes yeah. like you said he leaves and then she's like all right steve and i walk in she opens the door Dead silence. She's like, uh, this is Steve. And they're like, hello. And I was out in one minute. I was out. That's the worst. I'm like, fuck this uh, business, man. It's the worst. It's the worst business. It's the worst. Because they look, they know. You know, I mean, you know what you want. You know if a guy's right for it. Like, if I'm cast, if I was casting something and I knew a part was for you, I'd be like, just get Steve. Let's, let's yeah, just yeah. do it. Yeah. And then you go and you do these auditions and try and feel it out and find it. And it's just like, oh, it's so <laughs> ridiculous. It, and, the, you know, and being on the other side of it. Yeah. When you're casting stuff. Yeah. It's just as frustrating. Yeah. So I know what they're dealing with. They're, yeah. They're hoping that you're going to be great. Yeah. They're hoping you come in and blow them away. Yeah. But sometimes it just doesn't happen. You just sometimes feel like. it's like, I'm not right for this. Yeah. You're not feeling it. I'm not feeling it. I that those situations have helped me though. Like now, I don't care. Like right, I will learn the lines. I will go in, say them how I think they should be said. Right. And if I'm not right for it, I'm not right. Yeah, I don't get it's, sick to my stomach no. afterwards. Not until you go to network. Not until the fourth audition. Yeah, you sign the contract. You know the money you could make. I've never even gotten there. Any, I've I did a pilot with Craig Robinson, but it was right. I didn't have to do all that network stuff. It was. That's they good. hired me as a guest star with the um, stipulation that if it got picked up, right. I would be made a regular. So I got to. Oh, nice. Yeah. Then they, they picked, the show up, picked the show up and fired everybody. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> they're redoing it right now. But <laughs> Oh, really? They're redoing it? That thing's they're doing it as a, a multi-camera now. Holy cow. It's. That's, that's not I feel sorry for Craig because he's just been having to wait and wait. And wait. Yeah, it's been he, a couple he's, of years. He's awesome. Yeah, do you like um, two and a half years? Do you read from the script when you're in there, or do you, are you good at memorizing the whole thing? I I usually try for first reads for first auditions. I go in and I I try and be familiar enough to where I can just glance down to yeah. catch my place, and I'm fine. But you need glasses for that. Yeah i <laughs> I auditioned for this Adam Sandler thing a couple weeks ago, and it went really well, really well. Uh, and then. Um, 
my manager called me like a few hours later and he's like, they loved you. They want you back tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Please. And they, their one note was, please have him be off book. <laughs> oh, really? Please have him not look at the script. Right. Right. Well, that's all right. You got yeah. through the first one. Did you go back? I went back and, uh, off book. I don't think I've got, yeah. Oh, the other thing, <laughs> this is the crazy part is off book, but the character is a mute. <laughs> like, <laughs> It was like eight pages of, I had to memorize everyone else's dialogue oh. so I could react. <laughs> so it is weird that have him be off book for his part where he doesn't he's say really, a word. He's a mute. <laughs> yeah. Why weren't you off book the first time? Well, it was, it was, I, I had to like catch their lines because they're the, the people were feeding me lines to react to. Can you just listen? Yeah, but there were a lot of it was a lot of weird, confusing shit. Oh, okay. So I would just kind of, right. and I w- I wasn't like staring at my right <laughs> my script. I was just looking down, and they're like, just have him be off so he can just be free to act. Big. Yeah, I have a weird thing coming up for this one this afternoon. The casting person was the casting person on my first pilot ever. No shit. Yeah, and which is now. 10 years ago mm-hmm. i haven't seen her since so this is the weirdest part about for me for this for this auditioning stuff is like i'll be you one year you're casting and looking for people to fill, populate your show that you worked on or whatever <laughs> yeah. and then the very next year you're walking in on the other side yep and they're looking at you like uh now i'm back to the auditioning yeah. guy where have you been <laughs> so i'm gonna walk in and be like i haven't seen you in 10 years how are you i wear glasses now because i can't see yeah <laughs> do you ever put yourself on tape yeah i've gotten more I've, i do better on that than really? i do yeah i've never booked i mean for those listening who don't know every now and then you're asked to audition just on like more record often. yourself. Some people do it just on an iPhone it's, saying the lines. I got a, I got a role holding the iPhone, Skyping on and FaceTiming. No shit. With the casting person and the, and the producer. Yeah. And I just held it and read it. Like it, I was in a hotel in New York, just held it up and read the lines. And the guy just leans in on his end. It's like, great, great. We're going to make a deal. No kidding. It's the weirdest. Yeah. I've never if I walk if I walked in into that office I probably wouldn't have gotten it. That's amazing. I've never booked something by putting myself on tape for casting to the point where like 2 years ago my manager said we we have an audition for you you have to put yourself on tape for them. Right. And it was for that Zach Braff movie that he kickstarted uh-huh. like 2 years ago. And it was for the part of this like doctor. And I'm like, I'm not a doctor type. Right. I'm like a homeless <laughs> beer buddy type. Right. Like I, it's, I'm wrong for this. Yeah. I don't want to do it. And they're like, you should just do it. So casting is aware of you just uh-huh. so you're in their heads, maybe for future stuff. And I was like, oh, fine. And I just kept putting it off even until yeah. like two days after it was due. Yeah. And my agent was like, did you send that tape in? And I was like, no. And they're like, Steve, you have to do it. <laughs> I was like, fine. And so I had this idea to like, instead of just put my camera on a tripod and s- stand in front of a blank background and say these lines to yeah. nobody, I, um, I actually shot the scene like with coverage and music. <laughs> I edited in music and I used like bigger actors than he had in the movie for my scene. I had Sarah. Sarah was 
and Ellen Page were my scene partners for the Are for my serious? audition. Yeah. Should we pause this? Yeah. This All right. So did were they impressed? Did so they yeah, I I did this whole scene. I had someone shoot it for me, like like master shots, and then move in for coverage. And I edited it with Ellen Page playing like the Zach Braff part, <laughs> and Sarah playing as like brother or sister or something. And oh my I was God. the doctor. And so I sent it in, and they fucking loved it. But Zach said that. I'm totally wrong for the part. They hired an older Jewish guy as the doctor. I'm like, uh, yeah, of course. Right. I called course. that like <laughs> yeah. weeks ago. Yeah. That's but great. now I'm I'm uh, gonna do every one of my tapes like that. It's a, that's great. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work, but it's also fun. It, it makes it more fun. Well, that's the thing. You can control it. You know, the um for uh I think old country for old no country for old men. Yeah. Um what's his name? Who played the cop? The uh Brolin? Brolin. Or Tommy Lee Jones? I remember seeing the Coen brothers, like Brolin said that he, you know, they put him on tape or he, and he shot the thing and like really lit it and like made it look super professional. And they yeah. were even like kind of laughing like he, he really like, you know, went over, over, but, yeah. but it worked. I mean, God. that stuff works. And I know Elijah Wood, uh, for his audition tape for The Hobbit or for, uh, Lord of the Rings. Yeah. He dressed like a fucking hobbit and went out into a into the woods to shoot his audition cha- audition tape. Yeah, T.J. Miller did his audition for Yogi the Bear. You've probably seen that one. Like, you told me about that it. was on the internet, like <laughs> with, a real with an bear. actual fucking grizzly bear. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. No, that's what you should do. I mean that that is much more fun and creative than walking yeah. into some office with a camera and a couple of people don't aren't happy to see you i'd love to put that <laughs> audition that t- tape i did online i don't know if yeah they would allow me but yeah, why not I, I should ask them you should for sure all right we've done an hour and 10 minutes holy Tom. cow that? that went fast so i want to once again stress that uh for those of you listening i don't know if this is going up tonight or tomorrow but we will i will be doing my show baked uh at the verde theater at 7 30 in san francisco tomorrow night or tonight Friday, Friday the 6th. Friday the 6th of February. Yes. And then after that, I'm going to Cobbs to do Tom Papa's show. Come yes. to Papa. Um, at yeah, 10, 10 or 10.30? 10 uh, 10.30. With Janine Garofalo, Moshe Kasher. Adam um, Scott. Adam Kevin Scott. Pollock, Moshe, you said. Drennan it's gonna, Davis. It's going to be great. It's a really fun show. I love doing it. Yeah. I'm and then so we have happy. another one Tuesday at Largo. And then Tuesday the 10th at Largo here in Los Angeles. Um, so please, if you have a chance, check out any one of those shows or all of them. Yeah. Why not? And Tom, what thinks, else are you going to do with your life? I, I don't know. <laughs> are you going to eat chili? Uh, We're going to get chili next we'll week. We'll make it happen. Right. Um, thanks for doing this, Tom. You're the best. And thanks for listening, everybody. Bye. Bye. This is firefighter Raphael Poirier for Firehouse Subs, introducing the new Firehouse Pub Steak Sub with savory steak, crispy fried onions, and our rich Belgian beer cheese sauce. On tap for a limited time. Order yours at firehousesubs.com today. Remember, a portion of every sub you buy helps provide life-saving equipment for first responders. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Limited time only, plus tax. Participating locations. Firehouse Subs will donate a minimum of $1 million in 2018 to the Firehouse Subs Public Safety Foundation by donating 0.13% of every purchase.